Hi everybody, it's Kay Gain for the Handy Essentials for Hand Nurses podcast series. Welcome to episode five. Today we're going to be talking about the microsurgical patient management. As always, I've got um, Nav with me. Hi. So today we are going to touch on um, looking after the microsurgical patient, what that entails, what types of patients they, they are, the nursing management, and then we're going to do specifically what observations in relation to um, the inflow and outflow and the management of that. So to start off with, um, the, the microsurgical patients that we class as are patients who have had specific surgeries. Um, so these would be free flap surgeries um, or revascularizations or replant surgeries. The replant and the revas surgeries are um, often in the the, the trauma um, or they always are in the trauma um, following that. So you would have somebody coming in with a, a, an amputation or a deep laceration of a, in our circumstance, a, a finger or a hand or a, a, a limb. And we would be either replanting the entire limb or digit if it's completely detached from the patient, or we would be performing a revascularization if the digit is or the 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 ampi the the deep laceration is still attached. We're performing a revascularization surgery. And and what's unique to those three things: free flaps, revascularizations, and replant procedures are they all involve microsurgery? So they all involve using the microscope to rejoin. Uh, tiny vessels, arteries, veins, and in some cases, nerves. Um, and that tissue has been devoid of blood supply for some period of time. Um, for a free flap, it's a very short period of time because it's a very controlled setting. Um, replants and rebasks um, often are a longer period of time from the time of injury to the time of uh, getting to the operating theatre and rejoining that blood supply. And is it time critical for um, further... Um, distal the amputation is it time critical yeah or? that's right so the the macro replants the forearm the arm have a lot more muscle and so you need to get them on asap um, and look uh, less than six hours is ideal but uh, as soon as possible because you get uh, a wide range of muscle ischemia in the arm or in the forearm in the finger there's less muscle um, and so you've got a bit longer uh, for finger amputations um, generally, uh, you separate into cold ischemic time and warm ischemic time. Uh, the difference between with cold ischemic time, you slow down metabolism and so you do have uh, a longer period to try and uh, replant the, the digit. In a revasque situation where you've got a deep laceration, there's no blood supply to the uh, distal extremity, um, but the, the the part is still on the body, um, so it's not been completely detached. You can't really uh, cool that body part because it's still on the patient. And so it's all warm ischemic time with a revasque. Um, and so in general with fingers, the warm ischemic time at maximum is 12 hours. Um, and the cold ischemic time at maximum is 24 hours. Um, so following those procedures, we've got some specific nursing management that we um, that we need to implement. Um, the most important is close observation of the patient, um, and that is from an observation point of view, and making sure that they're comfortable and being on hand to observe if there's any deterioration um, following the surgery. So we have patients 
are looked after with one nurse, so one-on-one -on -one nursing. And that's for a period of up to 72 hours post-surgery from when they come out of the operating room. Um, and that can be longer depending on the surgical team. It can sometimes be shorter um, if the... I'm going to say the word a good replant or a good revask um, when when um, it, everything's gone okay or the mechanisms of injury is um, hasn't left the the um, site of injury in in too um, bad a condition. So the favourable mechanisms would be sharp lacerations. So with a knife or a machete or uh, you know a sharp laceration, the the ones that are much harder and require close observation. Uh, the crush injury, uh, the avulsion injuries, um, these often uh, things like angle grinders or uh, crush injuries um, in industrial machines. Why, why the 72 hour period, Cake? Um, it, it's interesting because I get asked this a lot and it, it's not really research based. Um, it, I guess from a, from a surgical point of view, and I've asked the surgeons this because some surgeons have a different perspective, that's a something that we do here at this hospital but it seems to be the 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 time critical for the patients and following those um procedures after 72 hours you you're not out of the water but you you can be pretty sure that if the if it's if the digit or the limb's going to survive it will do if there's going to be any deterioration it's unlikely to see it after that critical 72 hours. So that's when we really need to keep a close eye on the patient. Um, but there has been situations where things have deteriorated after that time. Um, and so, yeah, uh, what, what else does nursing management involve? So the, the, a few things that we have to do to, to, in relation to the circulation, we want the vessels to be as large as possible. And I understand not that I've ever seen one through a microscope, but the vessels that say a, a distal fingertip are quite small. Mm. So we want them to be as, as large as, as possibly can, so um, dilated. So heating, we want the, the patient to be warm. We don't want them to be cold. Um, so we always have a either a heater in the room or more frequently we've been using a bear hugger for the mm. patient and that seems to be a lot more effective. So the patient is warm, the limb is warm. Because naturally in the cold, you, your peripheral circulation shuts down just to try and preserve body heat. And that's the last thing you want after a, a procedure like this. Um, also to keep the those micro circulation as, as big as possible, as dilated, we, re, we really do restrict and we make it a, a no caffeine policy. So no coffee, no chocolate, no energy drinks. And nicotine's involved in that as well. So no, um, no smoking, obviously, no vaping, no nicotine patches or gum. Um, so it's it can be pretty tough on the patients. Um, and then mobility, we do like to keep the patient on pretty much still the first 24, 48 hours, and then slowly we can start to increase their mobility around their bed space. VTE prophylaxis is really important because obviously they're going to be um, on reduced mobility. So TED stockings, your basic, potentially calf compressors. And on that, a lot of surgeons also give antiplatelet agents like aspirin um, to try and prevent that, uh, that micro vessel that's been rejoined clotting off um, and causing late ischemia. And that can go on for quite a while, can't it? 
post-surgery. Yeah, that's right. That's very variable and it's not very evidence-based, but anywhere between two and four weeks. Mm. Um, hydration, we, you want the patient to be um, nicely hydrated and that goes towards that, um, the keeping the vessels nice and dilated also. Um, pain, we, we want the patient to be comfortable and not agitated or fidgeting around. So it's really important to keep people pain-free and comfortable. Um, IDCs, often it, when people are on bed rest and unable to mobilise, they'll have an IDC in for the period of time when they are not mobilising. And then the, the microvascular observations. And we are recording microvascular observations initially every half an hour for six hours post-surgery. And then from the six hours for up to 72 hours, we record in them one hourly. And that can increase depending again on the, the surgery team. Um, and sometimes they, they can be shortened or um, altered to second hourly um, after, the, after a day or two. It all depends on the injury and um, the appearance. And the reason for that really is you want to pick up when something goes wrong and act on it really quickly um, because um, we'll talk about it now. So the, the circulation in the finger and the body part is a circuit. There, there is inflow, um, which is uh, the artery. There's the tissue, which is, which is the capillary beds, and then there's outflow, which is the veins. And so the, the reason for all of this is to pick up when something goes wrong, and often it will be an outflow problem, um, congestion, the digit being quite blue. And with prolonged congestion, you do get uh, a backlog. Um, you do get uh, intrinsic damage in the tissues, and then that leads to, therefore, an inflow problem. And so that is something that needs to be rectified quite quickly. Or on the flip side, if there's an infra problem, if the, if the digit looks white, ischemic, um, isn't getting enough blood, again, you need to address that really quickly, um, which is the reason for the frequency of the OBS. So you touched on um, some of the um, signs that we're looking for. Um, the microvascular observations, we look at the, the color of the digit. Um, we look at the the capillary refill, we look at the warmth, and we look at the the turgor or the feel of the digit. Um, and all of those together, you can if you look down at your your hands right now, that's your normal um, coloration. As Nav just kind of highlighted, if you've got an inflow problem, it's your your digit's going to look or the area's going to look quite ischemic, so pale cool, soft. Um, if there is um, capillary refill, it's going to be really sluggish because there's no, there's nothing there, um, no flow. Um, the f when you do feel, it's going to feel quite hollow. Um, from an outflow problem, this is, I'm sure, I this, when I talk to people on the ward here, um, I describe when you were a kid and you put an elastic band around your finger mm. and you can, you kind of essentially mimicking an outflow problem. So your, your finger or the area becomes quite engorged, a quite tense feeling. Capillary refill is um, quite brisk. Um, it's dusky, um, like more of a, a bluey, purpley colour. Um, and it, it can initially be warm and then go to cool. Um, and that's and, just the blood pooling. Um, it's just got nowhere to go back into the body. And then um, 
from the doing those observations, it helps us determine the management. So um, always seems to me um, both an inflow problem and an outflow problem are both critical. Um, Seems to me most of the time the from an escalation point of view um we would obviously call the the medical team for review straight away um for either of those um changing in condition um and i think something that um is good for us to do straight away is to keep the patient nil by mouth yeah like if it's the middle of the night um or whenever we just put the patient as nil by mouth in case there's any changes and, and need to go to theater for any of those problems um, so you call in the the team for review, and um, from a from an outflow problem, it seems to be more easily managed on the mm. ward situation where you're having, um, we can start leech therapy or and that and that could be chemical leaching using um, heparin soaked gauze or organic using a natural um, live leech. With with an outflow problem, um, I completely agree with Kay. Um, it is often uh, solved on the ward. Um, just basic things first, just elevation um, can be helpful. And it's always a balance. You don't want to elevate it so much that inflow becomes sluggish and, or it struggles. Um, but certainly if there's an outflow problem and inflow is okay, elevation is a good idea. And just releasing anything circumferential, um, which might be causing constriction, um, often what I see at day two or day three, the dressings start becoming dry and crusty and they cause a circulation or a vice around the digit. And so just releasing those tight dressings can help some of that outflow issue. Um, and then, uh, like Kay said, uh, chemical or organic leaching, um, which we'll touch upon in a second. Sometimes with an outflow problem, um, the patient is uh, taken back to theatre to rejoin some of the veins um, that may have cluttered off. And so... Um, any outflow problem, uh, you do want to escalate quite quickly um, to try and address it before it uh, starts clogging up the tissues and causing intrinsic damage because that's irreversible then. Yeah. Did you want to talk a little bit about uh, chemical and organic leaching? Yeah, we can do. I, I, the ideal is organic um, using uh, leeches. They, ha- they are more effective than chemical leaching. Um, but when we don't have a supply of actual leeches, we, we have to resort to chemical leaching. It's a little bit more labour intensive, the chemical leaching. Um, every half an hour, you're reapplying a heparin-soaked piece of gauze to the area. Um, often the nail is removed and you're scraping the nail bed if it's a, if it's a, a digit, which often they are, um, just to promote that blood flow and just purely laying the heparin heparinized um gauze on the area just to promote that blood flow um and uh, an organic leech a, a real moving leech you has feeds really well um always get asked the question how long do they feed for every leech has a different appetite they can stay on for half an hour or four hours um, and sometimes it's the surgeons will want to have continuous leech therapy. And when I say that, I mean the leech goes on as soon as it's fed and detaches itself, it's removed, and another leech is put straight back on. So it's a continuous um, um, flow of the leeches. Intermittent leeching is something that does happen. 
um, this is where you put a leech on and then once it's detached you give the the area a, um, a, a break so this could be anywhere from an hour up to a couple of hours um, and as things improve as the days move on sometimes you'll see that gap um, between the leeches increase and I, I suppose it just allows the body to um, kind of re-establish itself after the leech is fed um, and I guess that's important from a, a management point of view you can um, really see if you, you need to continue with the therapy if it's actually doing something and, and, and making a difference um, so that's from a leech therapy point of view it is important to treat the patient as well when they're on leech therapy. They need to have um, prophylactic antibiotics and the recommendation is, is Bactrim, but you need to check your local um, guides for that. And the idea with uh, with leaching either chemical or organic is that you want some outflow um, while the body reestablishes its own outflow. And so usually it takes anywhere between five to seven days for the body to reestablish outflow. And so... Uh, leaching will occur until that time's happen, um, until the body can take over. Um, I must mention Kay has uh, recently been part of an uh, amazing episode, um, just touching on leeches. Um, so if anyone's interested, uh, it's out there on SBS. Um, Kay, ABC, ABC, sorry. <laughs> ABC, um, it's Monsters versus Medicine. Um, and we looked at a patient and we talked about leech therapy and the benefits of them and how we can't live without leeches really in our profession. A must watch. A must watch, yes. Um, so the inflow problem. So from a management point of view, we don't have a magic creature that can mm. solve uh, an inflow problem. Um, so often the patient does go back to theatre. That's it, yeah. If the, if the digit's looking ischemic, if there's no blood... Um, I suppose if it is elevated, if the lens are elevated, you could just uh, uh, just keep it neutral um, rather than elevation um, if it's struggling to get blood supply. But really, uh, it's what Kay said, it's a return to theatre. And again, as soon as possible, because you've, re you've started the clock again on the warm ischemic time. Um, and often in a take-back uh, setting, instead of just rejoining the artery again, um, we will use vein grafts um, to try and bridge any gap between arteries or... And uh, try and um, uh, try and bridge a segmental defect, um, and so it's it's never as rewarding. It's got a lower success rate, but um, that's what we would do in a in an outflow. Uh, sorry, in an inflow problem. Mm. Yeah, um, and I think from um, all of that, it's it's really critical that you know what um, that the the patient has a, a nurse that knows what they're doing and knows the escalation processes really well because um, we will be calling the team at all hours of the day and night. Um, so we've got um, a few examples to kind of talk about. Um, um, the, the nasty injuries, the, the twists, the avulsion that you talked about earlier, mm. where you have a, um, a real kind of contusion of the, of the, of the digit, say. We've, um, I'm thinking of a, a, a patient recently who we've had who um, has a, um, a, a deep laceration to their thumb and um, they required a revascularization of that. Um, Pre-surgery in the emergency department, 
the there was a perfusion compromise from um, the distal tip of the, the thumb. So we knew straight away that it was potentially going to be a, a revascularization and um, we would do everything we possibly can in that situation, being a thumb. So um, patient had their procedure. We started all the, the normal nursing management and during the course of a day, um, it was the 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 digit appearance started to become increased um, in the duskiness and the feel the turga the the feel of the the um, the distal tip was becoming more um, full engorged and um, so the decision was to start leeching on this patient and that's um, a process in itself and um, lots of patient education, lots of um, going over the the process in relation to that to make sure that the patients are informed and uh, calm. And the, the leech was placed on and they've decided to do intermittent leeching in this situation. And the, the patient after just one leech, the, the digit is is less dusky than it was prior um but we're still not um you know after even after that one leech we weren't out of the 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 water i suppose and you're still continuing with each leech and as now said the we continue until we need to stop but not any longer than seven days and i think if you do watch the abc show you'll meet um, a, a fantastic patient who had leech therapy, Cole, and he describes them as being lifesavers and and real um, change into to situations. And he will describe his injury, and I think it's really important that um, it it's it's a use of a an unusual therapy type that has been around for a long time to to manage a patient and um it's it can be challenging because it's not it's they're not nice to deal with um so you you do have to have that um but but these are hard situations and sometimes this is the last effort like this is a irretrievable situation at times um, you know, veins are quite fragile and sometimes you just can't reconnect them or uh, you can't reconnect them well. And so leeches do really help um, establish circulation in a limb that uh, would otherwise die. Yeah. Um, so to recap, um, microsurgical patients, what are we looking at? Free flaps, revascularizations, and replants of um, amputated parts nursing management there's a a lot to deal with here and um, essentially one-on-one -on -one nursing we're going to keep the patient warm um to make sure that they have dilated um, vessels caffeine free and nicotine free we're going to re restrict their mobility initially and then we're going to manage the um um the anticoagulant um give them some vte prophylaxis um, make sure they're hydrated, make sure their pain is managed, and then the microvascular observations. Like I said before, this is um, every hour, 
um, for 72 hours. And this is really looking at the inflow and outflow of the that microcirculation into the area. Um, and the escalation for either an outflow or an inflow problem is is immediate escalation to the treating medical team um, and they will assess. It's really critical that that happens. Um, Hopefully you found that useful. Yep. Until next time. See you later. Bye. Bye.